Welcome to the Art of Dynamic Competence. I'm Susan Clark. Join me and my brother Thomas May for season three of our podcast, where we explore new, integral, and integrating aspects of dynamic competence, allowing us to better relate to the situations we find ourselves in and the hard work we all need to do. Today, we're doing something a little different in the podcast. Over the last season, Tom May has pulled together a matrix that he's now using in his work and life. We thought we might share it with you, see what you thought, and also see how you might help us refine this. Tom was inspired to combine the original metacognitive work of our mother, Mary May, with the new work that I'm doing with Jeremy Johnson on Gene Gebser's book, The Ever-Present Origin. You can download Tom's Matrix from our website at dynamiccompetence.com under Season 3 Podcast, Session 34, if you want to physically look at it while he's talking. But you can also think about a box with three columns and three rows. At the top of the columns, three of Gebser's structures of consciousness, magic, mythic, and mental, are listed. At the end of the rows, Three metacognitive perspectives, instinctual, intentional, and integral, are arranged top to bottom. So it's a box that has magic, mythic, mental at the top, and on the side, it has instinctive, intentional, and integral. For today's podcast, Tom is presenting these structures of consciousness and perspectives from the unique way that he processes this information. And of course, this is only one way of looking at it. In the next podcast, we'll dive deeper into what's inside this matrix. But for now, take a listen and see what you get from this. So Tom, I'm glad you're here for this podcast as an introduction to this beautiful new matrix that you've created. Yes, for all of our listeners out there, we've actually recorded the second podcast. But what we recognized is that for better understanding to, and to experience it, what we needed to do is make sure we had a good introduction into the actual three by three matrix and allow you to actually see it and play with it some before we got into the second podcast. So Tom, what you did is you took mom's original work that really focused on instinctual, intentional, and integral ways of living in the world. And you combined it with the new work that I'm doing with Gebser which really focuses on structures of consciousness. And you've really picked up on three important ones, mental, mythic, and magic. Do you want to first start by talking about instinctual, intentional, and integral that came from Mary May's work? Yes. So to help our listeners, and I think it was podcast seven with our mom, Mary May. And I'll just do a kind of a very brief review to help everybody refresh their memory on this. So our mother, Mary May, originally looked at them as levels. And what we've been discovering is that they're not quite levels. They're they're more in line with perspectives, not one above the other, but just they occur. And you're just mindful of knowing when that perspective is becoming dominant. So the three perspectives are instinctual, intentional, and integral. So if we start off with instinctual, which is an interesting dynamic where I'm consciously describing what's happening in instinctual, which is an unconscious perspective. So Tom, in that, there's no awareness of yourself separate from 
what is going on. You are just reacting to what's going on. Is that right? That is correct. So you are reacting to the world that's happening around you. The classic example is if I'm an alligator laying on the bank and somebody comes and pokes me with a stick, I bite, right? That's a very reactionary thing. Now think about your entire life and everything you do within it, X happens, you then go do Y. You don't even think about it. It's what you do. It's it's your standard processes for the day. It's not saying instinctual is bad. What it's saying is that in instinctual, if you have good habits and you have good responses, then it's appropriate. And when we're appropriately instinctual, right, we're fitting into whatever's around us, it's incredibly efficient. We don't waste any time worrying and thinking and pondering and asking questions. We simply go do it. Agree. If I'm an accountant, I know how to account. If I'm an engineer, I know how to build. If I'm an artist, I know how to paint. There is no thinking. You're just doing it. It's just flowing out there. As mom used to teach, when we want to move out of instinctual is when things are not working as well. When What she called, you feel the rub. When things are out of whack and you want to try something new, you begin to realize that something new may be needed to solve whatever situation you're in. Agree. Just take a, a simple example of uh, I'm a baseball player and I step up to bat and I've been hitting really well. Then all of a sudden I don't hit well. Now, mm-hmm. instinctually, I go and I swing and I hit the ball and everything's fine. But now I'm swinging and I'm missing and I'm missing and I'm missing. Therein lies the rub. And I have two choices now. I can stay instinctual and keep trying the same old, same old and getting frustrated or raise to level consciousness going, hold on a second, something's different now. It's not the same. And I need to then take a look consciously at what has changed. Perfect. So now we have a way in which we move from instinctual or reason to move situations that we want to change that aren't working in the instinctual. And now we're suddenly looking at it from the intentional. So can you describe in general some characteristics of being in that intentional space? So if we remember a lot of our podcasts, we bring out when you drop into the intentional, you should become introspective first. It doesn't mean you have to be, but what we're saying is typically when you do this, there's an awareness and that awareness should bring you back to self and you ground yourself in the self and you then step through and look at what's going on. You then also, after you're starting to ground yourself in the self, then you turn and start looking at the whole. What is around you? What's happening? How is your team engaging? How are the people you know? How's the environment that you're in? How is that affecting the whole? But you're consciously looking at both. Right. And you could come at it from either direction. Isn't that true, Tom? You can start by noticing what's around you and what people are are potentially saying differently or thinking differently or looking at differently and then have that impact who you are. So it could go in either direction. Absolutely. I think I describe it because that's the methodology I use. I typically go to self and I have to say that there is the element that you're speaking about, which is typically the rub is coming from the environment that you're in. Mm-hmm. But also remember, the rub can come from internal where you have a, a strange feeling or you have something that's happening and it's like sending a little bit of warning signals to you. So it can occur in both places and then how you engage can also be up to you, too. Perfect, Tom. So that's really kind of a a basic intentional space that we can move into is when we begin to have that dialogue between us and outside us as we're continually learning. And out of that could come all sorts of interesting solutions. 
We also know that within the worlds that we've lived in for a long time and the work that we've done, sometimes those answers don't work. What can arise from us as a community doesn't necessarily get to where we need to go. And we have to kind of dig deeper, I think, begin to explore in ways that we hadn't explored before. And that really is what we describe in many ways as the integral. And there are many, many, many practices out there that help us feel into the integral. And how would you then, Tom, kind of frame that up within this model that you've created? Well, the neat part about the integral is that it almost is the opening. It gives you the runway ahead of you, right? It allows you to recognize there's so much more out there. So as I become highly conscious and the intentional, I'm starting to see myself. I'm seeing the whole, I'm seeing what's available to me, what has always been available to me, what you know, nuances have changed. How do I look at that? In the integral, what we then learn to do is if that's not all quite gelling. It doesn't resonate fully. The beauty is, is in the inner goals, you don't limit yourself. Well, that's all I know. That's that's all I can do. That's the only story I've heard. You don't just end there. There are other answers that have yet to be seen or explored. And just by having that conscious thought allows you to then step back and go, what else am I missing? Let's look in what we call the white spaces. What's in between perspectives? Mm. Now, all of a sudden, just by allowing the space to open, allowing the question to be asked, frees up our mind to say, let's let some other perspectives come in. And what's so powerful is that we've just described kind of how we move from instinctual, intentional, and integral. But again, it's a movement that goes back and forth. We can be sitting in integral and something can hook us and we drop back down to instinctual. Or we can stop for a moment and look at where integral can happen. So again, it's this movement back and forth through these perspectives, no one being better or worse than the other. It's just three ways of looking at the world and where we sit in it. And for our listeners, we're going to keep saying this. We're describing this way to help foster understanding. Mm -hmm. The reality is, is that instinctual, intentional, and integral are happening all the time. Mm -hmm. You are literally doing things instinctual while you're consciously thinking about intentional, and you may even be pulling in some integral, right? It can occur all at the same time. Just easier to talk about it in its pieces, but over time, you start to realize this is occurring simultaneously. Now, Tom, let's switch over to the fact that you set those three perspectives against three of Gebser's structures of consciousness, mental, mythic, and magic. He calls them structures of consciousness specifically, I think, to help people better understand their existence. But like you just said, for the perspectives, instinctual, intentional, and integral, they're also happening simultaneously. The kind of the neat part now is that you can take a perspective on the consciousness that's occurring. And there are multiple ways in which consciousness occur. And we're just only talking about three. We're talking about the mental, the mythic, and the magic. I will contend with you there's many more. We just focus on these three because we believe they're mainstays. We believe that they're kind of bedrock or foundational pieces. It allows us to have a perspective of the consciousness and being able to be able to identify when mental is occurring, when mythic is occurring, and when magic is occurring. And do you want to talk very briefly to the audience? Because we'll go in much deeper in the next podcast. 
do you have a description of magic that fits for you? I have clearly have one for my work with Gebser, but how do you frame up magic? Well, being a mental guy, it's kind of hard for me to get the full scope of the magic. But from my perspective, magic is all those things that just seem to be bolts from the blue. It's things that occur to you. It's feelings, it's emotions, it's sights, it's it's smells, it's those things that come and stimulate you in ways you've never been stimulated before. And to me, that is the world giving you a gift, trying to open you up to so much more that's out there. That's great, Tom. Because as Gebser looks at it, it's really about unity. It's the world that we are a part of. It is who we are in its totality with all of the world surrounding us. There's no real separation of us from the world where magic exists. So things are arising all the time that have no logical construct. They have no stories about them. It is the experience of living and the felt sense that arises as you go about your day of the stuff that is just the matrix of the space that we live in. It's when you have feelings of connection you've never had before. You're in a complete amazement of where did that come from? What was happening? And and to me, it's when your world collides with the rest of the world and they start to align and how they happen, we have no idea, but they do occur. And in those glimpses is the opportunity. And that's what we're looking for in the magic. And of course, we really have to say that the magic can be that which we resonate with, but also that which terrifies us. So there's a whole range that exists within magic that we might look at as both bright and dark, but they all exist as part of our magic existence. Agree. It it definitely is a continuum. We'd love to think that magic is only the good and and the good feelings and the, the wonderful experience and all, but it's also that telltale sign, the, the hairs in the back of your neck stand up. Something is telling you to pay attention, right? Sometimes there is terror. And, And how many times we've talked about it in our podcast where these horrible events have occurred, but then look what came from those events, what growth happened from them. You may not like those pieces, Part of magic is about all sides. So then let's talk a little bit about mythic, Tom. What does mythic mean to you? What does it feel like? And what arises when you think about your consciousness structure around mythic? For me, Susan, this this is the part that I've been so excited about. Because again, I'm heavily mental. But my big aha moment is that the mythic is the story you live in, which is the world we live in. For me, it is all the experiences, everything that's going on. Just the idea that you can sit back and you can talk through things with people and and you hear what their story was of, of what they have done or what they want to do. These stories are the fabric of who we are. I even feel that they even go down to being in our DNA. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the part that I believe I have been missing. For me, it's that interesting world of the stories that we live in. And are you engaging it consciously or unconsciously? And for Gebser, Gebser really talks about the mythic is where we begin to feel this dualism starting in our culture, where we are no longer connected to the whole as we were in magic, but we begin that separation. And we begin now to connect to our ancestors. We feel that there's this deep, long path, and there's these stories that are arising in us that we have to tell. And of course, the question is, are these stories arising in us? Are we conscious of them? And then as we take in stories from the rest of our culture, are we conscious of those? 
when you start to get into mythic, you now have stories and they start to align and, and they start to align to cultures and they, they align to perspectives of people and what they believe. People ebb and flow. They they like one story and then there might be a different story and, and they'll go to that one and they'll move. And I like how you bring that up because this world right now we're living in where there's just so much uh, kind of chaos amongst folks. When we're in mythic, there really is no right and wrong. In mythic is simply a description of our stories. And so as we exist in myth, there is not truth. There is not that defined logical truth. It is just stories of how we relate to each other, to the world, and to our past. I I like to look at it, Susan, is that in mythic, there are multiple truths. Like Mm. more than one truth can remain there. And and I think that's the beauty of being in the mythic. You take a perspective that just you're allowing that to occur. And, And that gets different in the mental. But in the mythic, we just tolerate so much more. So, Tom, now let's talk about the mental. How do you frame up that mental? So, Susan, I see the mental as being the logical component. It's engineer thought. It it is where you look at things in a very pragmatic way and you're trying to develop solutions. You're trying to solve problems. You're trying to actually take thoughts and bring them to action. And so really, our ability to do that comes from the mental consciousness. And as Gebser says, it's where logic plays, where causality exists, where time is incredibly linear. Where in mythic and magic, time has a very, very different feel to it. In mental, it's very linear. You know that if you do X, Y will happen. And you're all about controlling as many variables as possible so that you could get the outcome that you want in a given time frame later. And so there is this very smooth linearity when you're in your mental. And as Ian McGokra says, it really is a highly controlled by your left brain. Agree. And I think there's two big pieces you said, one logic and the other control. There is a comfort and I, I'm speaking from experience. There's a comfort in having logic. And thus, if you have logic, you feel like you have control. And it's interesting because I think our whole culture is driving in that perspective. We, we want to think that If we can figure out the answers, we can control things. And that's the big shift we have. And I think that's what Gebser was talking about. And so, of course, that's what brings us to where we are and your beautiful little matrix you created, because we know that we don't have control anymore. We're watching it fall apart everywhere. And so if we're building dynamic competence, it's about really getting out of just this mental perspective and beginning to touch into that which is mythic and that which is magic within our lives. And and as we had said already about instinctual, intentional, and integral and how they all are occurring at the same time, the same is true. There are mental elements, there are mythic elements, and there are magical elements of the consciousness occurring all the time. We have a tendency in our culture to gravitate and dwell within the mental and almost dismiss the mythic and the magic. The reality is, is there great potential for our own growth and understanding, not only from the mental, also with the mythic and the magic. So, Tom, I love what you call this little chart. You want to explain it to our audience? So you have the I's, instinctual, intentional, and integral. And you have the M's, which are mental, mythic, and magic. So I am, I'm where? 
what we're trying to do in this three by three matrix is understand where are you? I'm where? And just understanding that you are in any of these boxes at any given time, just the fact that you understand that these boxes exist helps you then put a framework around being able to figure out where you reside and how you're engaging and what your consciousness is. And it's so fun that I love working with you because in the work that I'm doing and the course that I'm hosting, a big part of it is feeling into each one of these, getting a personal understanding, a personal felt sense on any one of, in this case, these nine. And I love what you say, Tom, these are just a three by three because these are three easy ones that we can start to work with. Yeah, it's, it's a great place for everybody to then ground themselves. Let's become familiar with it. Let's understand this piece. And if we can build upon it, we will. I think we have a lot of possibility right here in front of us. So with that, our next podcast is going to go into what might be some characteristics as we're looking at any one of these nine boxes. What's important, again, we just want to emphasize, this isn't the way it really works. This is just a breaking down, a mental construct that lets us try to get a handle on it, that then we can build back, create this understanding in ourselves that really is the integration, hopefully, of all nine. Agree. And as we said already, how you enter this, how you engage it is your own personal journey. So we are just offering suggestions on doing it. The only way you'll figure it out is come engage. And of course, please keep reaching out with us with any of your thoughts, your ideas to help us refine and make this better. This is our gift to our community. And we look forward to how you're going to engage with us. And remember, it's really easy to go to our website, dynamiccompetence.com. Just email us through that and we'll be glad to respond and love to hear what you have to say. And thanks for being here, Tom, to do this. Thanks, Susan. And uh, we look forward to, to hearing y'all's thoughts. We want to share a heartfelt thanks for all who have joined us for this episode of The Art of Dynamic Competence. We're incredibly grateful that you shared some of your day with us. We know your time is precious, and we hope that we've been able to share some interesting perspectives and helped you gain some insight in how you've used dynamic competence before in your own life and how to find it in new things you're taking on. We've now launched our social media at The Art of Dynamic Competence, so please follow us on your favorite platform. In the meantime, and if you're intrigued with what you've heard, please subscribe to this podcast and please tell colleagues, friends, and family about us. This is Susan Clark for The Art of Dynamic Competence. Thank you so much for listening.